Cortland Computer Services presents the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Hi there, this is Don Wardlow, your baseball lifer. I'm going to talk to you first before we have our guest, and his name is Joseph M. Leonard. He's been on our show before, and he's back. He's going to talk about what he's seen in the changes in baseball during this season and how he's hoping they'll affect his team, the Detroit Tigers, and all the teams in baseball. Before we bring Mr. Leonard on, I'm going to talk about some of what's been going on in the baseball playoffs since we were last together. Last time we had Sam talking about the Phillies, we had Troy talking about the Twins, and we had Mitch talking about the Dodgers. That was on our last episode. And since then, the playoffs all got underway, the championship series. First, we'll do the National League, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks squared off in game one. Zach Wheeler pitched for the Phillies against Zach Gallen of the D-backs. Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber hit a couple of home runs, and Harper, in fact, hit one on his 31st birthday. That got the Phillies out to an early lead, and they ended up winning the game by a 5-3 to final score. Nick Castellanos also hit a home run in that game, and that's his fifth for this postseason. He's only one behind Jordan Alvarez of the Astros. In the second game on the National League side, the Phillies won again, 10 to nothing this time, with Aaron Nola for the Phillies pitching against Merrill Kelly for the D-backs. Early on, it was a close game. There were, again, a couple of home runs. Trey Turner hit one, and Kyle Schwarber hit one. But it was only two to nothing in the sixth. But the Phillies put up four in the sixth and four more in the seventh to a ten nothing victory. And then we come to game three, which was played Thursday night. And game three was in Phoenix. It was the Phillies Ranger Suarez against Brandon Fought for the D backs. And Fought there'd been a lot of talk about him because he had a three and nine record for the regular season. And a 5.72 ERA. I'll tell you, he pitched the game of his life. He gave up only two hits in five and two-thirds innings. Didn't walk a batter, which is absolutely vital in postseason, even more than in the regular season. And fought, struck out nine Phillies before he left the game, and the game was scoreless when he left. The Phillies scored the first run in the top of the seventh. Bryce Harper scoring on a very, very wild pitch. You're not liable to see one much wilder than that one, much further out of the strike zone. Then the bottom half of the seventh inning, the Diamondbacks' Lourdes Gurriel doubled home a run. That tied the game. But in the last of the ninth for the Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte, hit a walk-off single, and that was the first walk-off win in the postseason by the Diamondbacks since the 2001 World Series when the Diamondbacks won their one and only world championship. 
game four will be Friday night. And either way, the two teams will have to go back to Philadelphia. And we'll see how the D-backs hold together against the Phillies and their crowd. That is a tremendous home field advantage they have with the noise those people can make at the ballpark in Philadelphia. Now on the other side, on the American League side, in their series, it was the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. In game one, Jordan Montgomery, the former Yankee, pitched a brilliant game, beating the Houston Astros two to nothing. In game two, the Rangers started Nathan Giovaldi against Framber Valdez of the Astros, and that one too, the Rangers won by a 5-4 to four final score, in spite of two home runs in that game from Jordan Alvarez. Then things went over to Arlington, where the Rangers should have had the home field advantage, but everything went south in the two games that have been played since. They played game three on Wednesday. The Rangers trotted out Max Scherzer, who hadn't pitched in 36 days. He'd been on the injured list. He didn't last long. He gave up five runs facing Christian Javier for the Houston Astros. And Javier, among his teammates, is known as the October Snake or El Reptil de Octubre. The October Snake, because believe me, to the opposition, he is poison, especially in October. And then on Thursday, there was game four. Again, in Arlington, where the Rangers have lost eight out of the nine games they've now played there against the Houston Astros. In Thursday night's game, Houston won it by a 10-3 final. The Rangers' Andrew Heaney didn't last the first inning. Now in Game 5, which will actually be going on as I'm doing the final work to get this show together for you, Jordan Montgomery will be pitching again against Justin Verlander for the Astros. Then that series will go back to Minute Maid Park in Houston. So, following our rundown of the two playoff series, we're going to take a break. We're going to have a word from our sponsor, and then you'll be able to hear Joseph M. Leonard. He's got several books to his name, and he's a man who really enjoys watching baseball and he enjoys talking about baseball and that's what he'll do with me if you keep it right where it is i am having such a problem at work this is the second time this month i have had two computers down and i can't get my computer company to come to the office and fix them i think they are too busy with other bigger companies you know i was having the same problem until we met Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow, that would be great. It is such a disruption when the computers are not working properly. I need somebody that can come out, see what's wrong, and fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security, identified some problem areas, and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the internet these days. They have been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years. 
and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860. 732-356-8860. courtlandcomputerservices.com. Tell them you heard about it on the Baseball Lifer podcast and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of computer services. Back on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here. We've had this man on once before. And Joseph M. Leonard is my guest. And Joseph, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. First, I I can never resist the bad puns. So I, I say this in a loving, joking, jabbing face uh, manner, but I've got a suggestion. You could change the name of the show and rebrand to The Baseball Laugher, because you say some really funny shit. <laughs> I, I, you know, thank you. Thank you kindly. And and I, I do... All in good fun. I'm just teasing. I've always tried <laughs> tried to be the entertainer while Jim Lucas was the serious play-by-play commentator. I tried to be Costello to his Abbott. Right, right. So. I, that's, I, I'm co-host of Savage Unfiltered, and yeah, he, he's usually the Martin and I'm the Lewis. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or he's the Bing Crosby and I'm the Hope. So. Yeah. So, so we've had us a baseball season in 2023, and it's still going on as we're speaking. Something that you told me you want to talk about, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me, this has been, 2023 has been a much more exciting baseball season than the seasons past, really. The last almost decade have been so ponderous that that I really have wondered about whether baseball would make itself extinct, but with the with with some unexpected moves made by Rob Manfred that seems to have actually worked, we've got a better brand of baseball in 2023. I watched more baseball this season than I have the previous decade combined, I think, because Yes, they've been talking about a pitch count forever, and they finally, finally pitched it over the plate and hit it out of the park, to use the baseball analogy, uh, in my opinion. That, that you know, we have so many of us, I'll, I'll speak for me and you know, my friends have been begging for that. The game's too slow. If you're at the ballpark, it's one thing. You know, you've got the ambiance and the atmosphere and everything going on and food to eat and beer to drink. But to sit at home and watch a game, way too long, way too slow, way too damn boring. Until now, finally, it's sped up. It's better. There's far more suspense. You can't take forever putzing around. Oh, 12 different no, no, no uh, to what we're going to (laughs) throw. You get up there, you do it. Let's play ball. (laughs) And this is what I was hoping for. 
when spring training began, and I was hoping that not only would it last through spring training, I thought they would actually, I hope they would actually continue to enforce the pitch clock, and by golly, they up and did it. They did exactly what should have been done. It's something they tried in 1969, but by the end of the season, they had abandoned it entirely. But the pitch clock is not a new concept, but the concept of them enforcing it, that's new. NFL, you got a play clock. NBA, you got a shot clock. So I, I mean, it, it was long, long, long overdue to help. But to me, uh, the rule change that will change baseball forever going forward. Uh, and let, let me give a spoiler alert. Think Moneyball is the shift rule limitation. You can't do a complete shift now. And the reason why I think that changes the game forever going forward you know, for the better for some, for the worse for others. There's pros and cons to everything. I think you're going to see a rash of retirements coming soon because some of these older ball players, if you don't retire, we're going to show you the door because now some of the, you know, we don't need that as precise a hitting. I hate to put it that way, but so let me rephrase it. An up-and-coming good glove athlete that was an average batter now has more holes if they were, uh, you know, a, a one-way hitter. You know, up to the plate, always hits to the right. Right, 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 or always, always left, 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 left. The shift destroyed those players' abilities to play in the MLB because there was no hole for them to put the ball through. The shift limitation now creates holes for them. Their batting averages go up, make them more viable at a cheaper rate to play in the major leagues. You see what I'm saying? What are your thoughts on that? I'm talking to Joseph M. Leonard on the Baseball Lifer podcast. This is Don Wardlow. And I got to tell you, Joseph, I'm not 100% in agreement. I thought I would be. I really believed that what you said would happen in 2023. The shift would take effect and batting averages would be higher. I don't think batting averages are higher. And I know good and well that strikeouts are higher and higher, especially look at the Minnesota Twins setting an all-time record for striking out. That you're talking indeed one year. I, I'm talking over potentially the next decade. It will be, it will remain to be seen if I'm right or wrong 10 years from now, but I think it's going to take five, maybe 10 years to see whether that happens or not. I'm saying it very well could. And I know a lot of owners would like to cut some salary if they can. So, you know, like the old money ball situation, if you can bring in uh, a, a good glove and an average hitter who is now likely to hit a little better then keep this high priced player who was a good hitter, but maybe an average 
glove, uh, you know, there, there's trade-offs. Again, pros, cons to everything. Uh, it, it was only the first year of the rule change. I think that is a rule that is going to take a couple years to shake out what it really will or will not do, unlike the pitch count, that had immediate impact. If you got, if, if you're up at the home plate and you see four guys on one side and one or two guys on the other side, is it so against the law to hit the ball where they ain't, as Yogi used to put it? Why strike <laughs> out or why hit into the shift when there's this great big turnpike you could be hitting into? Yeah, well, th- th- that's my point, though, is uh, a, a a good hitter, a really good hitter can do that, can pull the ball, place the ball where they want it. But some average folks can't do that. They just can't do that. And that helps them. And we're coming on toward Halloween and Joseph M. Leonard not only has a good, healthy liking for the sport of baseball, but he's written a book called Terror Strikes, Coming to a City Near You. And if there's ever a time to talk about that book, it's along about Halloween. That's the scary time. Well, yeah. Well, considering what just happened in Israel, awaiting for Israel's full response, the suspense can be, you know, is thick and be cut with a knife. But yeah, terror strikes coming soon to a city near you. I, I knew this was coming. I've been telling people this was coming. Well, people, it's here. <laughs> and it's not just, well, I it's, it's there, I should say. And it's not just there. It's coming back here. And terror strikes coming soon to a city near you is 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 not meant to be fear porn or to make you paranoid, just to make you awake to the fact, like in the Naperville chapter, Teresa deci- discovers she was more of an ostrich than the mama bear she needed to be for her daughter, Cammie. And that's what I'm talking about here. I'm just saying, be awake, be alert. Don't be completely caught off guard if and when, not if, when, and who knows where these things will happen. They're likely to happen at softer targets now, not another New York 9-11 thing. Uh, so, you know, it's it's about terrorism, but not about death but life and living, life over death, hope over fear, faith over despair, love over hate, good over evil, individualism over collectivism, freedom over tyranny, family and friends. So the terrorism is just the story thread that holds all those more important sub-themes together, including a baseball sub-theme, as we discussed before, which I don't want to give too many spoilers about. But yes, uh, you know, everyone should remember this isn't really a spoiler. It's in the book because my book is historical fiction. When George W. Bush came out to Yankee Stadium and threw that ball right down the middle over the plate, 
the nation sighed a collective breath of relief of some normalcy was coming back, right? So I, I expounded on that and have other baseball thread in it, but that was the motivation why baseball is inexplicably tied and linked to terrorism because of post 9-11, for better or worse. In my mind, there were two games that that symbolized America returning to normality after the hideous day of 9-11. The two games, in my mind, were September 21st, the Braves at Shea Stadium, and then the game you talked about when the president threw out the first pitch in the World Series. I'm going to say it was game three at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I I don't recall the exact game, the exact day, uh, but yes, it was definitely the Yankee game, nationally televised. So, you know, it was a whole lot of lead up and lead in and made a massive deal about this is much more symbolic than just a baseball game, America's game, America's sport. It wasn't a football game. It wasn't a hockey game. It needed to be baseball, apple pie, and Chevrolet. You know, America, you you terrorists aren't going to win. We're going to be more on guard from now on. Yeah, we're going to be paying more attention and needing to look over our shoulder, but you didn't win. America is going to return as close to normal as we could. Uh, that was important that baseball be involved in that. And of course, uh, you know, America's team, more or less, like it or not, right? I've never been a huge Steinbrenner or Yankees fan myself, but that's America's team when it comes to baseball. Talking with Joseph M. Leonard, the book is terror strikes coming to a city near you. Now, your city is Detroit. Your team is the Detroit Tigers. We talked some in our first show about you going to Old Tiger Stadium, built where Corktown was back in the day. Yeah, Old Briggs, Old Briggs mm, Stadium, yep. <laughs> you know it, and, and it just that it had the incredible sound. The, the acoustics were great because the press box was hung right right behind home plate and those games sounded awesome then they built the new place and talk to me about 2023 the game is better you're still rooting for a team that has a lot of problems does the better game make it easier to follow that team compared to what we saw last 10 years yes and i think detroit is ready to finally turn that rebuild corner. And yeah, you're talking about Comerica Park, which is a pretty damn nice park. Uh, you know, yeah, they, you know, they knew people were horrified of leaving Tiger Stadium at, at corner of Michigan and Trumbull and that that would be tore down and it is indeed gone, but the field is still there. There are now condos being built lining all around it and the police athletically play and host games at old 
Tiger Stadium. So the field is actually still there in an operation. But yeah, Comerica Park is nice. Detroit, hopefully, finally is turning the corner. Part of it is uh, Chris Illich is not Marion Illich. Marion played ball. Marion loved ball. Marion wanted a world championship team. Uh, Chris is a, eh, okay, I, it, it's my team, it's our team, I got to run it. And I, I think he's somewhat ambivalent. But our pitching has finally gotten much better. I mentioned Serger, right? Our downward fall began with when we couldn't keep both uh, Scherzer and, uh, oh, God. Verlander. Verlander. Thank you. Thank you. So we let Verlander go. And then Scherzer said, okay, this team is on a downward slide. I'm out of here, too. I'm going where I can get maximized my money. And that was, you know, the bottom fell out. But our pitching is reasonable. We've got some reasonable pieces. I think the best thing to happen to the Tigers, if Chris will spend the money because again he's not his dad i think he's ambivalent as long as there's enough fans in the seat to put profit in his pocket he don't care hope i'm wrong i want to be wrong miggy retiring long overdue i'm sorry i know there's a lot of miggy fans and thank you uh you you were great you were fun uh, you know a lot of fun with the records you set in that but you needed to retire and that salary cap space. Now, if Chris will not try to just pocket it and he reallocates it to two, maybe three good free agents to come in, the Tigers are a playoff squad next year. And to those in our audience who don't know, Miggy is... Miguel Cabrera, who began with the Florida Marlins and spent really the bulk of a long, long career with the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, a lot of exciting home runs from him. Uh, and a whole lot of too many strikeouts, though, at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, that's that trade-off with that power home run hitter. You, you've got to take the good with the bad. But, I mean, over his career, he... He got really good and had some clutch singles when they were needed too. not always the long ball to be able to drive a runner around a third or in from second or third, you know, so he was a good player, but you know, you get older, you get slower. It just, comes with age and there's a time to retire and I, I thought it was a couple of years ago it definitely was due now and again at this point in time with where the Tigers are in the rebuild if Chris Illich the owner son of Marion Illich the former owner who passed a few years ago will reinvest that cap space into a couple free agents we're there. You know, I think in five years' time, there's going to be a lot of people from Detroit finding their way to Albany and renting cars in Albany and going up to Cooperstown to see 
Miguel mm. Cabrera put in the Hall of Fame. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. Oh yeah, he he's def he was definitely that caliber. I mean, I I I had issues with him going way back. I mean that that season that uh, that there with his issue with alcohol and actually showing up drunk to games. I mean, his alcoholism had gotten that bad. And at that point, I was saying, cut him loose. Just unconditionally release him, cut him loose, be rid of him. You know, but thankfully, he recognized and was willing to admit, this is a problem. I've got to straighten myself out. And he did and went on to what a great career and those records. But the beautiful thing, like you said, is that he recognized that he had a problem. So many people do not. So many people drink their way out of a baseball career, drink their way out of the broadcast booth. It happens. Wish it didn't, yeah. but it does. But apparently Miguel Cabrera you know, saw his way to stop the drinking and continue and have the career that he had. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, Mickey, but you're no Babe Ruth, right? Those were different times that all the players drank to excess, it seemed like way back then. But uh, this now is way beyond the sport it was then. It is too much, it is a multi billion, if not multi trillion dollar business. It's serious stuff. Other people's livelihoods, the ticket takers, the security, the vendors, livelihoods depend upon it. It's not just your life you're screwing up. So, yes, thankfully, uh, we didn't have to just say, bye, you're gone, you got to go away. He turned it around. Talking on the Baseball Lifer podcast with Joseph M. Leonard, author of the book, Terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you and baseball fan, lifelong baseball fan. And I'm going to touch on something you mentioned earlier, which I didn't follow up on at the time. This is a season where Miguel Cabrera isn't the only one. And uh, Albert Pujols did it last year. Uh, but this year, besides Miguel, you're going to have Adam Wainwright calling it a career. Joey Votto looks like calling it a career and Yadier Molina looks like calling it a career. And I think this is what you were talking about. These guys are 40 or in their, in their late 30s or 40, maybe even 40 plus in Wainwright's case. And these guys are going to make room for these draft choices the teams have been piling up over the last several years. And, and look out, the kids are coming. Yeah, and again, with that shift rule change, some of these players who would have otherwise not cut it before may very well go on to very successful careers now because of that. Again, three, five, ten years it may take for it to shake out and us to have enough real data and real time to look back on it all to say that did or did not happen. Revisit this episode in 10 years, people, and either laugh at me what an idiot I was or recognize my brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the what? other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the 
the other book, How to Write a Book and Get It Published, Hints, Tips, and Techniques, because I know people in your audience have baseball stories to tell. And my book, How to Write a Book and Get It Published, Hints, Tips, and Techniques, can help you develop and bring those stories to market. Well, both of those books are going to be mentioned in the notes section of this podcast so people can see them. It doesn't necessarily have to be five or ten years. Look at the Orioles. I mean, two or three years ago, maybe maybe even less, their only all-star was Melanie Newman up in the radio broadcast booth. But didn't the Orioles win the Eastern Division this year? They're a good example of, and you know what, talent of course, matters. But dumb luck helps, too. <laughs> You've got to have a certain degree of luck for things to come together to turn around that quick. Unlike the Tigers, who have been struggling with the rebuild for so long. But again, a large part of that was Migri's salary. So much was wrapped up in him. They they could only do so much. And that's why I say his leaving, his departure, may finally allow that corner to be turned that couldn't be for. And you know, one team I have high hopes for is in a city relatively closer to you, I think, than to where I am. And that's the Cincinnati Reds. I, I know last year they had a 100-loss ball club. This year, they only got eliminated a couple of days from the end, and I think they've got the rookies in another couple of years. This is going to be a playoff team unless the Cincinnati ownership tears it apart, as they have a record of doing. Yeah, well, I, it's hard for me to talk about either the Reds or the Indians, uh, honestly and analytically, because being in Michigan, we have to hate everything Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so it isn't it isn't just Michigan against Ohio State. No, no, no. It's Tigers, Reds, Indians, it's Lions, Browns, Bengals. It's yeah, <laughs> it's all that, right? It's a uh, Red Wings, Blue Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think they just I got the Red Wings schedule. Let me yeah, they just played the Blue Jackets on October 16th. And I, I that was just the other day. I think they defeated them maybe four nothing. Uh so yeah, I mean we, we've got that hockey rivalry too, because hockey was my sport growing up. I was a goaltender. <laughs> I hear you. And it sounds like it, it it would be the same situation if I was invited on a Boston podcast and expected to talk objectively about the Red Sox. It's right. not going to happen. Yeah, I can usually put that hat on to be objective. Like on a on a politics show, I, I've been involved in politics since 1978. So I don't do the this party, that party hackism and only spew the talking points manure. Yeah, you know, I I can and do criticize my own as well as the other side and that I can usually put on that generic analyst's hat and say, well, this is the data. These are the usual trends. 
this is more or less potentially to happen. Whether I like it or not is a whole other thing. And right, so you know, uh, talk earnestly about the Tigers sucking the last several years. I'm not happy about, but you know, eh, you know, I'm not going to come on here and say, oh, the Tigers were great. They were just so underrated, and they just had a lot of bad luck. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Not yeah. playing the Homer thing. My name is Don Wardlow. My guest, Joseph M. Leonard. Joseph, the books are Terror Strikes, coming soon to a city near you, and how to write a book and get it published. I'll have yeah, those in the notes. And actually, I dropped another book in August of this year. Uh, I started a podcast called The Constitutionalist Politics. I invented constitutionalist term. Uh, so I could talk to fellow Christians and, you know, say we need to come together as Christians on the things we agree on as Christians to work together toward, as opposed to continuing allowing the divide and conquer to have everybody trying to keep everybody at each other's throats, right, for their power and control benefits. So in August, I released Constitutionalist Politics, the book also, and plan on Constitutionalist Politics 2, summer of 2024. So I got that going on. And uh, yeah, but for your audience, terror strikes with the baseball thread, they can relate to that. How to write a book and get it published. Again, I know there are some people who have stories to tell that I can help them get out and, you know, think, things like that. So uh, I'm, I'm thank you so much for uh, it's nice to be able to get away from politics, which is usually what I'm on shows talking about. <laughs> so I am so happy to have been able to come on and talk baseball. Uh, because occasional distractions, uh, sports, let's face it, again, unless if you're a ticket taker, security guard, a vendor, doesn't really affect your life. Now, yeah, we want our home teams to do good because it brings economic value and growth to our area. But at the end of the day, they don't affect our lives. So these are great distractions as long as they don't keep us completely distracted from so many other far more important things that can destroy our lives like a war. Well, hopefully we will find that baseball 2024 continues the trend of improvement that we saw in 2023. And hopefully next October, you and I can do this again. And uh, it is it is Leonard. It's Leonard without an O, Joseph M. Leonard. But there is a Joseph Leonard in South Carolina. So I have to make sure everyone understands I'm Joseph M. Leonard without an O, that distinction. And you can reach out to me at josephmleonard.us or terrorstrikes.info. Uh, if you want, if you're in the U.S., an autographed copy of any of my books, you can go to terrorstrikes.info slash shop. Now, they just implemented these new rule changes, so they probably won't do any 
for next year, but is there any tweaks or new rules or changes do you think we should do next year? I don't know. I like what we've got now. I just want to change the ghost runner on second base, the Manfred man. I, I'm not in favor of that. Never have been. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you there. Uh, I, I don't like that either. I, I think they should scrap that. You need to give rule changes a few years to really shake out before you shake things up too much again. We've been talking with Joseph M. Leonard on the Baseball Lifer podcast. I'll be back with a word about next week's show after a word from our sponsor. Keep it right where it is. I'm having such a problem at work. It's the second time this month. I've got two computers down and I can't get my computer repair company to come to the office to fix them. I think they are too busy with other bigger companies to help us. You know, I was having the same problem until we met Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow, that would be great. It is such a disruption when our computers are not working properly. I need someone who can see what's wrong and fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security, identified some problem areas, and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the internet these days. They've been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860. 732-356-8860, courtlandcomputerservices.com. Tell them you heard about them on the Baseball Lifer podcast and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of services. Back with you on the Baseball Lifer podcast. Don Wardlow here, and I know as I went to commercial, I said I'd come back with a word about next week's program, but there's been some scheduling quirks, and I don't know who's going to be our guest next week. You'll find out when you join us for next week's program. But before we sign off for this week, as I record this on Friday, October 20th, uh, notice came up on Facebook that October 20th was Mickey Mantle's birthday, October 20th, 1931 in Commerce, Oklahoma. And back then in the days of nicknames, Mantle became the Commerce Comet. And Mickey was named for Mickey Cochran, catcher and manager of the Detroit Tigers. I'm a little bit too young to have followed Mickey Mantle when he was a player. But I've listened to a number of games that he was in, both regular season and World Series. And if you said to me, name one Mickey Mantle home run that jumps out, I could mention number 500 that he hit in 1967. But I'm going to go with one from 1964. The third game of the World Series that year, the term walk-off home run had not been invented yet. Dennis Eckersley would coin that phrase in 1988. Here we are, Yankee Stadium, bottom of the ninth, 
one to one, Yankees and Cardinals, World Series even at a game apiece, and a Hall of Fame broadcaster, Kirk Gowdy, is at the mic. Johnny Keene had ran out of the Cardinal dugout to talk to the umpire. Here's Mantle. He's grounded to short. He's walked. He's doubled to right. Facing 38-year-old Barney Schultz. The big Yankee crowd roaring now for some action. There's a high drive. It's a deep drive. And forget about it. It is gone. The ball game's over. Yogi Berra out there pounding him on the back. Yogi and Mickey have been together for years and years. And Mantle just hit a towering drive into the third deck. Off one of Schultz's fastball, or uh, knuckleballs, one pitch, and Barney Schultz, when he just saw that bat connect, he just shook his head and started for the dugout. He knew it was gone. It was a patented Mickey Mantle drive, a towering home run that landed up in about the third or fourth row, the third tier in right field. And Mantle has just broken a World Series record. He now has hit 16 World Series home runs. He and Babe Ruth were tied with 15 apiece. So the broadcaster from Wyoming, Kirk Gowdy, describing Mickey Mantle's 16th World Series home run. He would hit two more before that 64 World Series ended. Unfortunately, it ended in defeat for the Yankees against the Cardinals. So on today's Baseball Lifer podcast, I talked to you about the playoffs that are still going on. We had Joseph M. Leonard join us. We talked about his love of the Detroit Tigers and of the game of baseball in general and of a couple of books that he's written. And we let you hear that piece of Mickey Mantle sound from 1964. So until next week, I hope you join me on the Baseball Lifer podcast. This is Don Wardlow saying, have a good week. (laughs) 